I do a science and medicine podcast. Now think about that. Podcasting and science. If there ever was an uncompetitive media category to be in, trust me, I am in it. My competition is lower than an AM radio religious channel at 2 a.m. on a Saturday morning. Seriously. I've never had anybody call in saying they want to give me money like a religious station. Although I really haven't used the tactics that they use, right? I mean, I haven't said, if you don't give me $100 by the next hour, God said there will be no more podcasts. And at this point, I haven't used any crowdfunding or advertisements. And I really don't want to go there because, one, I think that having an open source education is really important in medicine and has gone away except for education that's sponsored by drug companies or manufacturers of various types, and that is really hard to keep honest and truthful. And the other thing is, if I am honest with myself, the day this becomes work where I have to have a podcast done by Monday or whenever, I will see it as work that has to get done, and I probably won't enjoy doing it. Though, I'm willing to be tested if anybody has a very high price in their head to get more of these podcasts. Um, I'm willing to listen. I'm willing to listen. So many of these other podcasts that are much more popular, and I still think they probably don't make any money, but let's say you have the most popular podcast. What are they talking about? They're talking about kinky sex, the latest Trump tweets. They may have an interview with Jay-Z. And then there is me and my listeners who, God bless you, are content with hearing about anemia or an inflamed pancreas. I never expect that any science podcast will obtain pop culture popularity, though in case you think you're missing something by listening to me, I'm about to tell you the biggest rap secrets right now so you don't think you're missing anything. The first is that Jay-Z's girlfriend before marriage was named Fiancé. And the second rap secret is the reason Snoop Dogg is sometimes seen with an umbrella is for drizzle. You know, I do have this vision in my head of people who accidentally hit my show like they butt-dialed it or butt-clicked or whatever while they were listening to another program. I envision most of them just cursing out loud. I'd feel sorry for you myself. You may be listening to someone saying, and now we are going to teach you the two techniques for the most powerful orgasm you can ever give another person. And here is what happened when... Jenny and Jerome tried it on each other last night, and then you accidentally click my show, and you're going to hear about, like, bacteria in the lung or something like that. And while fame isn't in the cards for me or most medical podcasters, I will say, if you happen to get an STD from kinky sex or get depressed about politics or develop headaches from listening to pop music too loud then you know my crew, my listeners, has got you covered. We are the nerds you want to see. You know, it goes back to that Indian saying about having wolves inside you, and the very smart Indian tells his son, one wolf can be full of anger and superficiality, and the other wolf is full of kindness and knowledge-seeking, and whichever one you feed will grow more strong. Well, I don't know. I don't want to overclaim that we know too much in science. We can't do everything. Can't manufacture diamonds or gold. 
Alchemy is one of those many examples that prove science has a ways to go. The only way to get diamonds or gold in bulk is either to mine them or you can marry a rich old guy. Alright, so actually not talking about any science today if you haven't figured that out, no medicine here, but I was thinking about something. It's October in Colorado, which means the skiers are starting to get their ski passes. We just got ours, really looking forward to the season, and my kids reminded me of an event from a few years back, and they said, hey dad, remember that time in the terrain park where you tried to do a 360 to impress us? And, and they tell this better than I do, but I actually do remember that event. So. One day I said, yeah, yeah, I'm going to go do this jump in 360 and try and impress my kids and my wife. And they swear I only got like a 90. That's what they say. But I think I got a little over 180. But then I wiped out. There's no question about this. And this was not your average wipeout in the sense I did lose my skis, my poles, my goggles, my knee hurt, my elbow hurt. There was snow in my eyes, and I actually got the wind knocked out of me completely. And so finally, I get my stuff together, which basically was annoying everybody that was waiting to do the jump because I couldn't even get up for like 30 seconds. And did one of those teenagers in their baggy pants come down and help me and get my poles and skis? Of course not, because that would ruin the jump for them. They'd have to take the chairlift again. Anyway, I kind of get that, but... What I didn't get is my wife, who was skiing above me, didn't stop. She just skied right by me. And so finally I get my stuff and then I ski down about 150 yards right next to the chairlift. And I say to my wife, Carol, I say, my God, I mean, I just had, you know, I'm still breathing hard because I haven't totally gotten my breath back. So I'm like, I don't, you didn't see me? I, you know, totally wiped out and you didn't stop to help me, and without missing a beat, this is so classic her, she said, well, I saw this guy that landed it, and I wanted to go meet him. Now, since that time, she says she swears she didn't see me, but I think she was trying to teach me a lesson about my ego, but that's okay, because the, you know, by the next morning, I had already forgiven her. Guys are so predictable, right? Everybody knows what drives us. It's not our fault, that's what guys are, I mean, Men even wake up with erections. Now think about that biological phenomenon for a second. Is there anything that could possibly be more frustrating? It's not like the wife is ever going to say, hey, I know we got to get the kids off to school and they're in the next room and we got to get ourselves ready for work, but I was thinking we should take care of your biologic desires first this morning. Well, I, I mean, I guess before kids... Anything could happen anytime, and if it isn't, and you're married and don't have kids, then there might be something wrong. But once you have kids, waking up, especially on a school day, is a whole different experience. It's like getting a dental cleaning while you're waiting in line at the DMV. And if you're married to somebody in healthcare, whether they're a man or a woman, that has its challenges because of all the weird hours and tiredness and schedules that go along with that. So I realize that probably just being married to any man has got to be challenging for any woman. But for guys that are in healthcare, it's got to be particularly hard for women who are married to us. I mean, we 
all are needy, as I said, guys. And you start throwing into the mix a guy who is a physician or PA or NP, nurses of all sorts that work hospital schedules, which includes nights and holidays and all that. And, you know, for guys with limited time, particularly when blood doesn't bother us, you know, the wives say things to their husbands like, I don't really know if tonight's the night because it's that time. And most husbands don't care, but particularly guys working in healthcare. Dude, if we created the biggest Japanese flag ever seen, you wouldn't hear a peep of complaining from us. Shoot, man, I got called the next two nights. If you're game, I'm game, honey. And, you know, listen, I'm not one of those guys that sits around playing Xbox and spending my vacations at Burning Man. You want a broke man or a busy man? That's the two choices in today's modern economy. Well, actually, let me apologize for all the men and women working long hours in healthcare because we are sorry that there really are days where we are contributing at home probably no better than a high-performance sleepwalker. And thankfully, my wife mostly gets it, though I know there's got to be days that even drives her nuts, working half the weekends, literally since my 20s, not to mention at least half the holidays. But we also see a lot worse around us. We see military families where a parent is deployed, or worst-case scenario, uh, divorced and someone's deployed, and actually the very worst situation gone to some kind of battle and now gone forever. So that perspective helps. It's why I actually watch sad movies. My wife always wants to watch comedies. I'm always like, no, let's watch something about somebody starving in some country or getting tortured or something. Because you know what? That makes me feel better. Like my, my life is not that bad. And comedies, they ultimately make me think like I'm missing everything fun in life, which I know actually is not true. I know that's not really how life is, is those comedy movies. But when I see something sad, I always like feel like, oh my God, my life's really not that bad. We have it really good, I think, by any standards. It seems like love and work and expectations and a lot of aspects of life are getting more challenging for this next generation. You know, we were lucky. We fell in love before the days where you ordered a mate online with a questionnaire that hooked you up by some sort of algorithm. Because no matter what happens, I mean, marriage, it's going to be challenging for both people. It's just, that's what happens when you share your life. And we were together, my wife and I, for seven years before we got married. Seven years. Now those first two years, and I see this all the time as I watch other people, those first two years, everyone in relationships are the same. It is easy to be on your best behavior. But after a few years, you can't really hide who you are. By seven years, people know who they're getting. People need to wait longer before they get married. I see that mistake all the time. That mistake of lust equaling love, which it doesn't. If you only have felt comfort and pleasure in a short relationship. Now think about this. What major period of growth in your life hasn't required some discomfort? Whether it was achievements in sports, academics, at your job, or relationships, you will need to push through 
some discomfort to get to the next level. Getting married the second year is like being on the second day of a month-long binge and thinking it's always going to be a total party. Anything new for a short while can be exciting, probably even prison. You know, it's weird. And maybe this is a sign of how challenging healthcare careers can be some days. Or maybe I'm truly just this big of a nerd, but I have fantasized about being put in prison that has a decent library for just like one to two weeks, not long. So let's, you know, be able to get some exercise out in the yard for an hour each day and then go back to cell and do nothing but read. The food will be terrible and the wrong cellmate certainly could ruin everything, but if you didn't have to have it go on your record, whatever you did, and it was a really short period of time that you would be in prison with a good library, I know some of you are with me on this. Hold on, what was I saying before we got on the prison topic? What would make me think of prison? A marriage. Okay, so as I was saying, my wife and I thankfully dated for a very long period of time. In fact, lived together for a long period of time before we got married. And now we've been married a long period of time. So I don't know what else there is to say. I'm sure you want to know all the dirty details, which actually... No major reason to hide. We do have sex nearly every day. Nearly had it yesterday. Nearly had it the day before that. And nearly had it the day before that. You see, I need to stop talking about this. I need to stick to just what this podcast is usually about, which is medicine and science. Which, for whatever reasons these days, mostly political, have a lot of opposition against them. For reasons I don't totally understand, but... I'll tell you what, when I went to school, when I went to even high school, but college and medical school, my professors were fine with challenging questions and challenging students. We were encouraged to set up experiments to challenge the existing science. But unless you could prove that the existing science was wrong, you didn't just get to claim based on an emotion that an existing knowledge was wrong, right? You couldn't say on a test, I don't believe that 1 plus 3 is 4. Or that numerous experiments showing that certain gases in the atmosphere don't increase warming. Or if one said that the polio vaccine doesn't really work. This one thing happened to you if you did that. And this is what happened to you in school. It was called failing. Just saying science is wrong wasn't taken as totally acceptable like it is by so much of society that aren't scientists today. So maybe that's why I do a podcast. I know there's a few other things that drive me to do the podcast, but ultimately, I think that is one of the big top three reasons. All right, been going on long enough. Catch you on the next episode. This is Gil Parat. Adios, amigos, and hasta la próxima vez.